Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Unstoppable with Cynthia Barnes, where I interview the best and the brightest who dare to view sales through a lens that's a little fresher. Today's episode of Unstoppable is brought to you by Channel Advisor. Are you a tenacious sales professional who loves engaging with people and solving problems? Channel Advisor, an award-winning e-commerce software company, is hiring great candidates with a passion for sales. As a global company that saw record revenue growth in the past year, we're growing and are looking for multiple roles, including sales development reps, account executives, and sales engineers. Visit channeladvisor.com forward slash careers for more information and to apply today. Today's episode of Unstoppable is a special one. I have the distinct pleasure of speaking with three incredible women in sales who are blazing trails in the e-commerce industry. Tess Scanlon is Senior Manager of Strategic Sales for Channel Advisor. She's been with them for nine years, starting out as an account executive on their SMB sales team. Tess is a wife and a mom of a four-year-old boy and a two-year-old little girl, and she's lucky to live in Charleston, South Carolina. Audrey Houghton is Strategic Partnerships Manager for Channel Advisor. She's been with the Channel Advisor family for five years. Audrey started her career as a sales development representative and worked her way up. Roughly three years ago, she pivoted from the account executive path to the partnerships team within their sales force. And last but definitely not least is Jessica Lumpkin. Jessica is a sales manager for Channel Advisor. She has been a sales manager of both inside and outside representatives for eight years, and most recently with Channel Advisor for the last year. Ladies, welcome. How are you? Thank you. We're doing well. I am thrilled to have you, thrilled to have you. So right now, it is Women in Sales Month, October. When we talk about being a woman in sales, Jessica, I'd like to start with you. What's a myth about women in sales that you'd like to debunk? I think that's a really great question uh, to start with and one that I actually put a lot of thought into. And one myth I think we see is that women are not are not supporting other women in their progress and their careers in sales. And I think that myth is absolutely untrue. Um, I've seen prime examples of you know women supporting women to help in that next step in their career, to make a shift in their career um, every day. And I think as female and women leaders uh, in the organ in our organization, it's a great opportunity for, for us to continue to debunk that myth, for us to continue to to have opportunities like this where not only where we get to talk about our own personal experiences, but also support each other and have shared experiences that not only um, help us today, but help us as we go further in our careers. Absolutely. Absolutely. Audrey, where do you think that myth comes from? Oh, gosh. I think for quite some time, women felt like they needed to be almost, you know, standoffish or kind of you know, have like that hard exterior to prove that they were able to stand alone within the workforce and climb their way to the top. And I think that, you know, luckily now, like Jessica was saying, we're able to kind of pivot and, you know, we can hold one another's hands and carry one another along this path that you don't have to just kind of spearhead your way by yourself throughout the workforce. Yes. Yes. And Tess, have you seen that in your environment at Channel Advisor? Yeah, actually, um, I have a couple fabulous female mentors that I've worked really closely with at Channel Advisor that really are the execution of that idea. So I had a really unique experience of being able to work with 
He was in female leadership at Channel Advisor that was super successful in sales and really demonstrated exactly you know what you need to do to be successful and um, coached me along the way. Really, I don't think I'd be anywhere near as successful as I am today without that person's mentorship and support and cheerleading. So I definitely agree with Jess's assessment. I think it's a myth. And I think Channel Advisor is really special and, and a really lucky place to be where it is um, you're very supported. Yes, it, that support is crucial. If there's one thing I've learned in my years as an individual contributor and as a sales leader, it's that when we collaborate instead of trying to compete, we actually go further together. Would you agree with that, Jess? Absolutely. I think, you know, one of the things that I even builds back to where I think this myth comes from is, you know, we see there's limited uh, number of women in sales, let alone sales leadership. And it builds this mentality that let's say there's two sales leaders or two sales, female sales executives. And that that means that, that, that there can only ever be two. So if I want that role, I have to replace someone. And as we learn and collaborate and partner more, we start to realize it's not about replacing. It's about building out. You know, it's building from that foundation. And I think as Tess was saying, and as Audrey was saying, you know, the idea of I have to do it alone and get to the top to replace who's there is slowly falling away because we're starting to do it together. And that means we both can, you know, rise together. Um, And I think, that mentality, not only is it a mentality shift, it's that perception shift that, you know, we all have to do and work at each day. And it's a slow progress. But I think Channel Advisor in particular has done a really nice job of showing us examples of how it can be done in ways that you can do it with your peers, with your mentors, with the people that you manage, maybe even. Um, And there's just examples of it around us everywhere. That is amazing. So let's talk about the e-commerce industry. What's one thing about selling in your industry that you didn't expect, Audrey? Oh, gosh. Um, I think it was really the personal conversations and that true relationship building. Um, you know, coming into it, I thought it was just going to be kind of those quick touch points, but I didn't realize how invested I would be in these day-to-day relationships with prospects, clients, partnerships. And then also pivoting, I mean, internally having those relationships and building them with, you know, our account management team, um, you know, our legal team right across the board. And so um, that surprised me in the best way possible. Women, in my experience, are fantastic at building relationships. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Tess, would you say that your ability to build a relationship with internal and external customers at Channel Advisors is something that is promoted or is that something that you you kind of do on your own? Uh, so no, I think it's key to success at Channel Advisor, both working internally within the org and then in the e-commerce space. It is actually surprising how small of a network this industry really is. Uh, so not only are we you know, maybe working with six over a long term in a certain company to try to solve some problems and create that relationship, that those people tend to go to other places and then they call you, you know, six months down the road. So it seems like such a big space, but in reality, it's, it's just very unique. 
um, you're kind of working in an org where there's this really fast pace of change. And so those personal relationships are key to a foundation of you being able to do business with your buyers. But I think it's super important in any professional organization to make sure that you're always um, kind of nurturing the relationships with the people that you have to collaborate with. Yes. Yes. Those relationships are definitely key. They used to say that in any type of organization, you have to measure the ROI, the return on the investment. Your customers want to measure the ROI. Your 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 boss wants to measure, if I'm going to send you to this training, what's the ROI? And I challenge that thinking and say, instead of ROI, why don't we challenge it and 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 have a mindset of the ROR, the return on the relationships. I love that. I love that. Early in my career, I remember you go into trade shows and different, you know, opportunities, travel for work, things like that. And I always had this business hat on where I was, you know, trying to get to the point, is there an opportunity for us to discuss something, can I qualify this prospect? I had a real kind of business lens at these events. And you know, as I kind of grew up and, and really learned, you know, more about sales, it really highlighted how important it is to actually step back and, and really just use that time to build the relationship and build the connection with the people you're meeting at the trade show or the client meeting, uh, because that's really actually a much more valuable use of your time than necessarily trying to spit out your pitch. Um, and it was funny. It was something that I actually learned in my career um, that is super, super important. And I think that's an investment that's definitely worth making. Absolutely. Um, people really don't care how much you know, i.e. your pitch, your your knowledge about your products and services. They don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. Right? Right, Jess? Yeah. And it's interesting. That's something that, you know, um, as a manager of a team of sales representatives, you know, we're often talking about building that relationship. And sometimes I could see my team, like their eyes glaze over, right? Like, oh, you know, build relationships. But, you know, what does that really mean when you get down to it and you're on a sales call? And for me, when I think about relationships in, in, a, in a sales call environment, I always try to think about and encourage my team. It's about being genuinely curious. Are you genuinely curious about your client's business, where they're coming from, you know, are you their unique situation and not just curious because, you know, you have to ask these questions to check a box on the steps in the process. But if you met this person in the real world, you know, at a park, at a restaurant, at a bar, and you just started talking to them, you know, you naturally ask questions and you dig and you want to learn about them. Do you bring that same mentality into your work calls? Because if you don't, you really can feel it on the other end. You know, you really, really can feel it. And you may think you're, you know, yeah, I build rapport because I ask about their day before I get into my 21 questions. I need to know if they're a good opportunity or not. But that's not genuine curiosity. You know, how do you really start to listen and want to understand more than to check a box? And e-commerce is a huge world. Or yeah, e-commerce is a huge world, but or a huge industry, but a small world, right? So as Tess was saying, you're going to come across people who they've been to two, three, four companies that you've spoken to in the past or worked with in the past, and they're going to bring in their friends or their colleagues, and they're going to refer to you and vice versa. You're going to be passing business back and forth to one another. So saying, you know, 
in a good relationship with these individuals is going to help better yourself through your career as well. And I would think that it would help with your reputation because no matter where you go, your brand follows you and sometimes is there before you even get there. Yes. Right? When people say your name, what comes to mind when they say your name? What do you want them to say? It, and if your your reputation is solid and it, and it perceives you in a positive way, then the sales process is much easier because people know you like you and trust you, right? So would you say that, and Tess, this question is for you, what's the most important lear- lesson you've learned in your career? Yeah, that's a great one. Um, I think... One of the easiest ways to stand out just in a sales role or really probably any profession is to keep your do-say ratio in line. So if you tell a prospect or you tell a colleague that you're going to deliver on something or follow up on something or really complete a task, kind of anything that you're talking about you know, throughout the sales process or, again, within your organization, uh, you need to follow through on it. Um, same if you set you know, a goal for yourself. And, you know, you need to get some prospecting work done or knock out some cold calls. You have to hold yourself accountable to actually doing the things that you say you're going to do. And it sounds simple, and I guess it is, but it doesn't mean it's easy, right? So sometimes the most simple concepts are the hardest ones to actually go in and execute on. And so I think if you can, you kind of learn that lesson and, and again, execute on it, then you're in a really good spot. Like you said, that's easy to say, but as a mother of two, sometimes things get in the way. Sometimes kids get sick. Sometimes the dog gets sick, Audrey, and you can't deliver on those things like you said you were going to. How do you, number one, meet the expectations of your client, also stay true to yourself and to your family? How do you juggle all those things in the air? Um, So there's that phrase, it takes a village and it's no lie. (laughs) So my husband's really supportive. We have a great system and network here in Charleston, you know, friends and other caretakers that I can rely on. But another big aspect of this is just working with the family and channel advisor. I know that my team and my manager, my leadership chain would step in at any point. Um, It's a very family focused organization. Um, so I had both of my children while working at Channel Advisor and just the support I received was, was just so wonderful. It really did make sure I could put things in perspective, kind of knowing that there's that safety net and that backup there if it was ever needed. Um, kind of going back to that concept of building relationships too, um, sometimes your due state ratio is, hey, I got to put a pin in this and just communicating kind of where you are going to be in terms of getting things back to a client or you delegating it to someone who actually can help. Um, but really, it's it's kind of that concept of it taking a village and you know, channel advisor. My coworkers are part of the village. That's amazing. Not everybody can say that. Audrey, do you feel the same way? Absolutely. We're super lucky. Um, I know that if something pops up and I need to step away for a little bit, that I can rely on my manager. I can rely on, you know, his manager, any of my team members that were super in sync with, you know, our day to day, our relationships were very organized for, you know, that very specific reason that if 
one of us needs to help cover for another, we can absolutely do that. Yeah. And I think it's interesting, especially in this, I'll speak for myself, um, but as a female leader, this feeling of, you know, I have to show that I can do it all myself, you know, so that I've earned my spot here can often get in the way of this notion that a lot of times it takes a village (laughs) to get the job done, especially I know Tess can speak to it, even just our deals. It takes so many departments and people and a lot of work to get one deal done. And, you know, being able to acknowledge the part, the portion that's accountability, you know, you bringing what you said you're going to, to the table, but then also acknowledging that you need help, you know, in some aspects, that you need support, that you need to lean on someone. And I think, you know, a lot of times it's in our nature as women to like lean on our village, but sometimes when we get to our professional careers, it can be nerve wracking to do that because you don't want to be seen as someone that can't handle the load. And I think, like uh, the other ladies were saying, at Channel Advisor, it's almost such the norm, the village, you know, the village mentality, that it gives you that comfort and that confidence, honestly. It takes a lot of confidence to say, I need some help, you know, and being able to do so only betters yourself, your team, the org, the company. And that's been something for me as a leader here that I've had to work on, you know, work at constantly of saying, all right, I need some help here. Let me look at my peers and lean on them to get that help. Yes. My mother always says, Cynthia, no woman is an island. You've got to reach out and get the help of others. And if there's one thing I've learned as an individual contributor, as a sales leader, as a business owner, you cannot successfully build anything by yourself. You just can't. You just can't. When we talk about sales, there's a saying in NAWSP that sales is nothing more than influencing decision makers to say yes. So as we take a look at influencing your internal customers, your colleagues, your teammates, those across departments to prioritize what you need done when it's not really a priority for them, how do you do that? Who wants to take that one? I'm happy to take it. So go ahead, Audrey. I think having to help paint the larger picture as to, you know, it might not be a priority to them, but you help to paint the picture as to how it's a priority for the larger organization, right? Why is it important to you? Why is it going to affect other teams in the organization, right? Is it going to help drive revenue? Is it going to help um, secure a new deal with one of our largest clients, right? Like tie it back to why it's important for the overall organization and help to get that buy-in from that perspective rather than just the individual's perspective. Because again, we keep talking about this. It takes a village. Channel Advisor is very, you know, much a family. So, you know, as you tie it back to the larger group as a whole, I think you'll get that buy-in. I think that's important because in that book, Influence, he talks about people are less likely to do something for you, but they're more likely to do something for the greater good. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. Tess, did you have any comments on that? Um. So I think another interesting piece of that is going back to that concept of your brand and your reputation. Um, It's important to make sure that that is intact internally as well. You want to be known and I want everyone on my team to be known for selling quality deals for the company. Um, So you want to be able to kind of leverage really some of your reputation when you're making an ask that this definitely is to Audrey's point for the greater good. Um, and, you know, from a professional perspective, if I'm asking for help, hopefully you guys 
would, um, you know, know my reputation, right? And that that task is probably important and, you know, worth jumping in for. So as much as you would do that in the industry, it's important to con- to really think about how you're building your brand internally as well. Well, on the flip side, it's far easier to ask for help when you've, you know, bent over backwards to assist with some other projects that are outside of your, you know, day-to-day scope. I do that all the time, but I love to be able to work on additional projects that are, you know, out of my day-to-day typical norm. Yeah. And I do think it ties, I mean, it's funny how all these things tie together. Again, that relationship building, not just with our clients, but internally, because, you know, there are times though you, there is a greater good, but at the end of the day, you need a favor, right? And maybe it's just coming off the end of quarter, adrenaline that like, I feel like I was asking for favors left, right, and center. And I think it's those relationships that you've built where, you know, you've done an equal amount or hopefully more of that deposit into the bank of favors, right? So that when that time comes and you need a withdrawal, that there's something there, you know, to withdraw from. And I think you're only able to do that if you're constantly building those relationships when you don't need a favor, um, and you know, we all have that point where, you know, you, you just need some help from somebody and it really doesn't d- relate directly to you, but I need it. And can you, can you help me with it? And luckily, you know, because we do lean on each other all day, every day. So when that time for the need does come, it's a sure, I'd be more than happy to do so. Yes. Yes. It goes back to the law of reciprocity. If you've ever been to a big box store, like a Costco or a Sam's club, and they hand out those, um, the samples and you try a sample and they say, Oh, by the way, you can go get that in aisle number four on the right hand side, fourth shelf up. You're most likely to buy it because someone has given you a sample of it. It's that law of reciprocity. So I love what you said about making deposits in others accounts before you ask for help. And I think that women are especially good at that. We are givers. We are nurturers. We ask when we need help. We're also willing to give because that's just the right thing to do. Absolutely. Yes. So Audrey, I'm willing to put some money down on a wager (laughs) that you did not, when you were nine years old, say, I want to grow up and be in sales. No, you're correct. (laughs) What did you want to be? Gosh, I don't think I knew exactly what I wanted to be, but I always knew I didn't want to necessarily sit behind a desk and crunch numbers, right? I knew I wanted to be, um, you know, relationship building or talking with people, working on a solution to, you know, a problem, like some type of that um, day-to-day personal interaction. So I knew I just wasn't someone that could sit in, um, you know, an Excel spreadsheet all day and crunch numbers type of thing, that that wasn't going to, you know, fulfill me. Okay. So what happened to, from then to I'm in sales? So I graduated from college and I had an economics degree and I knew I wanted to do nothing with a, with an economics degree, right? I had, you know, tapped out of that. (laughs) So, um, my dad was actually in tech sales for a good bit and it sounded interesting to me. Uh, It sounded like a great way to kind of get your foot in the door with a large company, you know, as everyone says, kind of drinking from the water hose, learning as quickly as possible. Um, You know, I'm in sales. So I loved the idea of making money. And, you know, that a lot of that was, you know, within my own 
hands within my own power to do so, right? That um, it relied on me and I was very competitive. And so it just seemed to check a good amount of the boxes. And so I took a leap and I haven't looked back since. I've been with Channel Advisor ever since. That's amazing. And would it surprise you to know that 50% of all college graduates go into sales, regardless of their major? Absolutely not. I'm not surprised by that. I think it's a great place to start. <laughs> it's great place a quick to start. Way, it's a quick way to figure out what you do and don't like. Yes, absolutely. That is so true. So Tess, I'd like to know what one lesson has your job taught you that you think everyone, especially women in sales, should learn at some point in their life? Mm -hmm. So I really like this one. And this actually does come from our leadership team at Channel Advisor. Um, They use it as like an operating kind of phrase for really all conversations, emails, and chat. And it's to assume positive intent. And I think that's really important because I know I I tend to take things personally. I think that a lot of women do. You, we naturally read into things. You were maybe a little more empathetic. Um, you know, there's always this story about you, we want to put five exclamation points at the end of a sentence because we're worried about how it reads. And then if someone responds and doesn't, you know, oh okay, I guess I'm getting you know fired today. You know. <laughs> that's maybe the um, extreme version of it. But that concept is, you know, you really can't glean tone necessarily from an email or a chat. Always assume positive intent and operate that way. Um, and I think that almost was like a relief of a way to frame it for me. You know, maybe I don't have to carry this burden of reading too deeply into everything that's sent my way. And I really can just take all of this at face value and continue with my day. And so I love it in general, but I also particularly loved it for me um, as a person who tends to read into a lot of stuff. You're not the only one. I think as women, we tend to get into the weeds. We tend to unpack things that don't need to be unpacked. If we just take it for face value, the sky is blue and we come back and we say, is it cornflower blue? Is it navy blue? Is this, What kind of blue is it? What do they mean by blue? Are they sad? Is we like just... Like, right. <laughs> exactly. We go on and on and on. Should I have worn blue? I mean, we just, we go, it, it's it ad nauseum. We do that. But in the book, The Four Agreements, my, Don Michael Ruiz says, you know, you never take things personally because it's the sender, their responsibility, not ours. Jess, mm. this question is for you. What's one thing about your role that almost no one agrees with you about? Ooh, this is a tricky one for sure. Um, I would say, and maybe not no one, but it's definitely something I've run into as a a sales leader and manager, that my role really is a development coaching role. It is a, um, you know, I'm here to guide. Yes, I have a sales number and quota and closing deals is, you know, what we're all here, we're in a performance-based role. But I think, you know, the way I look at it is companies, you know, pay their employees in three different ways. They pay them with money, you know, salaries, incentives, bonuses, all of that. Um, They can pay them with position. So title changes, promotions. Um, And then that third way that you can pay someone is in development, you know, building skills. And those first two ways as a sales leader, I have very limited impact. 
I don't set the pay rates. You know, I don't necessarily decide that number on your paycheck. And even with promotions, I might have a little bit more of a voice in that. But at the end of the day, a lot of times it's not my decision. But my but that third way that we can pay someone in that individual development and building out those skills that you can use at Channel Advisor or somewhere else. That is a way that I can make an impact. And I know I can do that day in and day out. And to me, that's what I feel like my role is to ensure that you're learning and challenging yourself and getting better than you were the day before. Um, that to me is why I you know, was brought into these doors and in this seat to help my team of um, representatives get to that next level. And you know, some may say, no, 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 it's your, it's your role to get the deal done. You're supposed to help them close and this and that, and definitely think that's a part of it. But I want to make sure that I'm, you know, filling that development bank account, if you will, so that they feel like they are, you know, stronger, you know, better at their craft than they were before they started working here. So I, I totally agree that your role, your dominant role should be coaching and developing, pouring into others to help them be bring their best selves to work and in all facets of life. Audrey, would you agree with the statement that men and women need to be coached differently? Oh gosh. Um, I don't think necessarily, right? I think it's going to be very individual across the board. And I think, you know, it might be that men and women like women tend to fall into one type of category more, but I don't think it's all women, right? And so you can't bucket us all the same, right? And so I would say, you know, no, it, it, they don't have to be coached differently, that there's definitely going to be some crossover. Okay. Tess, what do you think? Yeah, I would agree with Audrey that it's much more individualized. I really like the concept of, you know, you have this structure or this toolbox that you need to be successful in your role but everyone's tools may be different, right? And if you're acting as a coach or you're acting as a guide, it's to say, all right, kind of here's the big picture structure that we're all kind of working towards and we're all kind of doing the same things, but the details within are going to be different. And that's very individual. And I don't think it actually breaks down by gender at all. Um, I think you definitely have to go person by person. Okay. Okay. Jess, what about you? It's an interesting question. And I, <laughs> I'm sitting here trying to step back and look at my team. And I think generally, I definitely would agree that, you know, coaching isn't dependent by gender. But I will say I do see similar areas of um, opportunity, gap, gaps and opportunity between genders. But how I coach to them still would be different. You know, if I have, you know, group of women, and I think building out their confidence is something that they all need to be helped with and coached on. I still would probably take different approaches with each of them and how to do it. Some people need to be challenged, you know, and I'm going to pitch you up against someone else and let's see you make more calls or close more deals or have more conversations or where someone else needs to, you know, kind of hear those affirmation words and, you know, um, have a cheerleader in their corner. And they may all be women and they may all have this similar area that we want to focus in on, but I'm still going to coach and talk to that area differently for the individual. Um, but I do think, you know, there are some, for better or for worse, worse lessons that in, that we've been taught from society as women that can be hard to let go of. 
Um, and you know, it's our job as women ourselves in sales and women leaders just to try to tackle them, you know, with our peers, with our team and within ourselves. Um, and sometimes it's going to look different today than it will tomorrow, um, depending on where you are professionally. I love that the three of you said what you said about the differences. You immediately went to Audrey, you said you can't paint all women with the same brush, which is totally true. Tess, you said that you're going to coach them individually based upon their needs. And Jess, you said that as well. When I ask men that question, they never, in all the time that I've been asking that, have ever focused on the possibility that there are differences and that you need to coach individuals based upon their needs. Does that surprise you? Surprises me a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Tell us why, Audrey. I just, I think because as you saw, we all answered very similarly. So it was a very natural answer. And I'm just shocked that, you know, that wasn't a natural answer with men. Yeah, that surprises me as well. Because I think, you know, one of the lessons I've learned, and it definitely ties to this and something that Tess said as well, is that there's not one road, one to success. You, you know, there's multiple paths to be successful. You know, we may all have, you know, different, the same tools, but we use them differently and that should be encouraged. And I think for men, you know, they've seen examples of that. You know, you can be successful here, there, you know, almost anywhere. So to hear that they feel like, you know, everyone's going to be lumped into big, same groups is kind of shocking to me where, you know, so much of this is, as an individual, you can find your own path to success. You can trailblaze the way to do it. And that could take some individual coaching, you know, behind the scenes to help with that. So that is still definitely a little bit shocking to me um, to hear that that's not something you've heard from some of the, the men you've spoken with. That's what this podcast is all about, is interviewing and talking with those who view le- view sales from a lens that's a little fresher. And when I interview women I can ask the same questions of men that I do of women and the women have a totally 180 degree different perspective. And that's what's refreshing because as they say in the Chinese food restaurants, there's more than one way to skin a cat. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So um, let's talk about productivity because we mentioned it a little bit earlier about all of the balls that we have juggling in the air. Tess, what is your number one productivity hack for women in sales? Yep. So I think it takes some introspection, but you have to learn kind of when you're most productive, right? I am more of a morning person and I like my time in the morning. Um, That tends to be when I'm most effective. And so I block that as my time and I commit to getting kind of my least favorite thing done during that time. Um, Get it over with when I'm the freshest mentally um, and then kind of go on with my day. So, you know, in an individual contributor role, like I'm not going to lie, cold calling and prospecting can be a grind. That was the first thing that I got off of my plate for the start of the day. And it just really helped. Um... It still really helps because I still have things like that in, in this management role. Um, it just helps me mentally, you know, be much more productive with everything. Jess, what is an indispensable tool for your job? 
What do you have to have? If they were to say, you can have everything except this, you would say, nope, I want this. Ooh, that is tricky. Um, If I could take it away, I guess I would say it sounds kind of simplistic, but um, just like, honestly, just a pen and paper. I'm a very, like the value of just writing something down is like invaluable to me. I always try to think that I have like this, uh, this great memory and, oh, don't worry, I got it. It, It's all up here. Um, No, it's not. (laughs) It, It really, really isn't. And just to take the time to sit, write it down. Um, I'm a very big to checklist person. And, you know, almost ties into how I try to be productive of just making a list of all the things I need to do and smart starting with small wins and kind of just get a couple small wins and checking them off and then building, building to that larger project. And I'm literally looking at my checklist. Uh, on my notepad notepad here. So honestly, just a pen and paper, just to keep myself organized, keep myself motivated, honestly, is what keeps me keeps me moving. Audrey, what about you? Indispensable tool, your calendar. Okay. My calendar. So I'm one of those people, uh, you know, for me, time is money and I need to block off my day to do certain projects. And I've learned to be very selfish with my time, which is great, but I have allocated time for when I will take meetings and then otherwise I have to block it off and do projects. And if I know I need to get something done by the end of the week, I will schedule it in my calendar. I know no one's bothering me during that time. I live and breathe and die by my calendar. (laughs) That's so important. And I think people women especially, we forget that our two most precious resources are our time and our energy. And too often we pour into everyone. We have our jobs. We wear so many hats, whether it's mother, partner, employee, leader, teacher, whatever it is that we're doing, if we don't take that time to rejuvenate rejuvenate ourselves, then we're of no good to anyone. You can't pour from an empty cup, right? I'm so glad that you said that, Audrey. All right, so imagine this. You get all the time, money, resources, education, and knowledge at your disposal. What occupation would you want to try for a year? Jess, go ahead. Um, this is going to sell. This is going to sound so not bad, but honestly, I always joke that my dream job, you know, everything aside, you know, money and all of that. Uh, I'd love to be a bartender. Um, I know it's not so crazy, but I realized I just love talking to people and just hearing their stories. And, you know, no one's opening up more than someone sitting at the bar and just got so much to share. And it's just something that to me would be fulfilling just to hear and listen and chat and, you know, meet new people every day. And I think honestly, sales is the closest thing uh, to it that uh, really does align with that, uh, with that secret. If I had, you know, all the money in the world, money wasn't an option job of being a bartender. That's fun. That's fun because it almost is psychological. Yeah. You're, you're a therapist. And sometimes sales is like being that too. If you have a relationship with your prospect or your customer, they will sometimes tell you things that they don't even tell their partner at home. 
Mm-hmm. Right. So sales is daytime bartending. Sales is daytime. Is yes. <laughs> Without the the liquid lunch. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Tess, what would you do for a year if you had yeah. unlimited everything? So this is funny. I would love to renovate houses. So I would love to get my contracting license. Um, we've actually done some of this ourselves, but um, I love old houses. I love that whole process of just bringing them back to life and um, would love to do that. Absolutely. Charleston's a great space for it too. Lots of pretty old houses. Well, we're going to have to call the people at HGTV and see if we can get some kind of contract for you. (laughs) Yes. Audrey, what would you do for a year? So I think Tess and I are going to go into business together. So my answer would be interior design. So I love working with folks under like understanding how they live to their day to day, right? Like how do they envision interacting in their kitchen and what's important to them and how do they see themselves using their family room, right? And kind of like pairing that together with their style and the research. And so I think uh, Tess and I have a business here. That's <laughs> fun. And then Jess could um, have the crew uh, liquored up. Yeah, send people our way. <laughs> Open houses. Yeah, we'll have them. I'm ready. Open houses. Yes, absolutely. With the crew. <laughs> yes. If we look back at your biggest accomplishment, personal or professional, what one thing are you most proud of, Jess? I think looking and kind of trusting in myself and my strengths. So I've been in my professional career for about 10 years and 80% of it has been in sales leadership. So two years in, I made a, I was blessed to have the opportunity to shift into leadership. And, you know, there was a lot of um, imposter syndrome in that and that I still get uh, here and now today, but taking that leap, taking that you know, kind of gambling and betting on myself eight years ago um, is an accomplishment that I am lucky and happy that I did every day to this day. You know, it's put me in the position that I am right now. Um, So I would say, you know, being able to take on that sales leader role so early in my career um, was an accomplishment. And honestly, just just kind of betted on myself and, you know, said, you can do this and went for it. I love it. Tess, what about you? Oh, it's an interesting question. Um, really, I'm I'm proud of what I've been able to accomplish as an individual contributor with two two young kids. So, you know, achieving President's Club, you know, achieving my annual goals, um, kind of being a high achiever on the team, um, while feeling like I'm still, you know, getting to spend time with my kids is what makes me, you know, really happy. Yes. Audrey, if I were to call up your dad who had his, his tech sales career and I asked him about what he is most proud of you for, what would he say? Um, I think he would say the perseverance of working with Channel Advisor. There's been some, you know, tough moments here and there, but I've always been able to, you know, kind of redefine my role for myself a little bit, make sure that I'm still happy and fulfilled here. And I, so I think that's kind of one of my um, favorite accomplishments thus far is redefining what my role actually looks like and taking on projects outside of the traditional scope. So, I mean, 
the most recent one was we launched a new product and I was part of the focus group that helped build that. And then I actually presented it to, you know, our client base and our partner base at our conference, right? And that's just very non-traditional work that a partner manager would take on. And so I think kind of redefining and continuing to make sure that I'm most happy and fulfilled being a part of the Chinovezer family too. That's precious. I love that. Jess, the statistics are there that only 11% of sales leaders are women. Very, And then even fewer of those are Black women. When you look back throughout your career, what legacy do you want to leave for those who look like you? It's a really great question. Um, and I think, you know, it ties back to, you know, something I just said recently is the legacy I would love to leave is that, you know, one that I trusted in myself, you know, that I really, you know, that does not mean I know it all. And it actually means I have a lot to learn and a lot to build on, but I trust in myself to learn those things and to build um, on my areas of weakness. Um, and then the second would be the legacy that I led with empathy. Um, to me, that's one of my largest strengths is that, you know, I try to lead and listen and guide with empathy. I understand, you know, I'm unique in my role and in my position. And honestly, you know, race and gender and all that aside, we're all unique in our positions and who we are and how we got here. And knowing that and opening yourself up to connect and listen and lead with that mindset is the type of legacy I would love to leave behind. That's fantastic. Tess, this one's for you. Imagine your son is valedictorian of his high school class, graduating class, and they ask him, what lesson do you take from your mom that makes you who you are? What's that most important lesson, he says? Uh, I hope for my son that he feels like he can be who he wants to be, that he really does feel he can be true to himself and he can accomplish like anything he puts his mind to. And what about your daughter? Exact same. And maybe even with an exclamation point on it for her. (laughs) Or five. (laughs) 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 Okay. So lightning round, I'm going to say, a phrase, and I want you quickly to finish the sentence. The sentence is, when you were starting your career, first day on the job in sales, if I were to ask you, Audrey, finish the sentence, I am what? What would you say? Oh, gosh, I am lost. When I first started, I didn't know which way was up, which way was down, but I just knew I needed to figure it out. (laughs) Okay. I am lost. Jess, what about you? I am what? Surprised that this is what sales is. And I say that because I felt sales was just, it's just listening. It's communication, right? Uh, I didn't know what sales was. I I fell into it. So just understanding that it's listening and being able to communicate and answer clearly. I'm like, oh, I'm what sales is. I can do that. I can talk about you. Yeah. Yeah. Tess, Tess, your first day on the job, I am what? Mine was, I am looking for help. Um, (laughs) 
please mentor me. <laughs> um, all the books, all of the resources, all of the things. How do I do this? <laughs> so now, with all of the experience, the knowledge, the skills, and the abilities that you have today, if I were to ask you, Audrey, I am what or I am, am whom? Finish the sentence for me. I am going to fake it till I make it. (laughs) Jess, I am. I am having fun. Um, I think we're we're lucky. I mean, at least for me, sales can be fun. It can be stressful, (laughs) but I am am having fun. Yes. Tess, I am. Yeah, I would say I, I am lucky. I feel like I've unlocked some great success and a great work life balance and a great team. Ladies, it has been a pleasure talking with you today. I know that our listeners are going to want to get in your space, hear more from you, read about you on LinkedIn. How can they best get a hold of you? Tess, go ahead. LinkedIn actually is definitely the best way. So my LinkedIn profile, please shoot me a message. would love to connect. Okay, great. Jess, what about you? Yes, LinkedIn, definitely. Um, the, the direct message in mail. I'm always uh, looking for great peers and professionals and mentors and mentees um, to connect with. So that is the place to reach out. Wonderful. And Audrey? We're going to sound like a broken record, but absolutely. So LinkedIn, shoot me a note. Happy to go back and forth. Would love to chat with you guys. Love to see, you know, what articles you are sharing, that sort of thing. Yes. For my listeners, thank you so much for being with us today. As you send those personalized, hint, hint, personalized invitations to connect with Tess, Jess, and Audrey, please do mention that you heard them on Unstoppable with Cynthia Barnes. And you know me, I would love to hear your thoughts about this episode with these wonderful women. So reach out to me at hello at Cynthia-Barnes.com and let me know what you thought of this episode. On behalf of Tess Scanlon, Jess Lumpkin, and Audrey Houghton, please, please, please continue to rise up and reach back to others. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll be back next week. Um.